Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center podcast feed is the Clone Wars Report. <laughs> I was particularly excited uh, to see what noise you would make this week because as we go through season four of Clone Wars here, uh, we get brutal story after brutal story. This one has some hope to it, I think, but a brutal yeah. story. So I was like, is Ken going to make some deep, dark chords? And like, nope. <laughs> a happy little horn, like, a, I don't know, like a clown just entered a royal court. <laughs> it's a little bit of action. You know, it's uh, it's like uh, there's there's some uh, great Star Wars action in here, so we got ourselves an adventure coming. 
today. Yeah, we got ourselves some action. We do have a stew of action we're excited to discuss. I'm Joseph Grimshaw. The person who always makes the wonderful introductory noises to the Clone Wars Report is Ken Napsock. Uh, Let's dive in. The episodes in this arc is one. It's season four, episode Mm -hmm. 14, A Friend in Need, written by Christian Taylor and directed by Dave Filoni. We were talking the other day, uh, I believe on Clone Wars Report, about how you you see a name you recognize. Yeah, we were talking about Henry Gilroy. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to be a great one. Do you do you get that feeling when you see that something is uh, directed by Dave Filoni himself? Or you're like, ooh, uh, this makes me sit up in my chair. Especially more now than ever, just because now you're going back to the uh, the early days uh, of Dave's development as, as a director. Uh, of, of of Star Wars content, and even though we're four seasons in, and he's been doing stuff for a while, yeah, it, it made me kind of go, "Oh, here we go!" And then, sure enough, there's some stuff in here that you're like, "Oh, I can definitely tell he likes Bo Katan and Mandos, and is excited for a future live action show about some <laughs> things." Around. Yeah, absolutely. It was this great reminder just of the content of the characters that are close to his heart, that he is, yeah. you know, one of the primary uh, creators of those characters. Not like he doesn't do an amazing job with Anakin or Obi-Wan, but, you know, mm-hmm. there is this different vibe when, like, the, these are characters that I added to this uh, big, exciting galaxy, or at least co-added. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also just, I was, I always just watch the episode and then write down the writer and the director at the end. So I rewatched this episode uh, and took more notes than normal. I'm like, ooh, I got to mention that because that's an, actually a really cool shot. And like, oh, there's really a lot going on with the way this was shot. And then it got there. It's like, oh, Dave Filoni. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, you ready to dive into the summary? I am. I am. Turns out that Dave guy knows some Star Wars. Let's uh, let's look at it a little deeper. He moves those cameras around real good. Uh, here we go. Here is the summary. Peace talks. Republic and Separatist leaders meet on the neutral world of Mandalore to try to negotiate an end to the costly war. The talks are interrupted by an uninvited Lux Bonteri who makes the shocking yet totally true allegation that Separatist leader Count Dooku murdered his mother, Mina Bonteri, a Separatist senator. Insisting this is a Separatist matter, commando droids take custody of young Lux. Padme Amidala's Jedi guard Ahsoka Tano sneaks after the droids fearing they will kill young Bonteri. Ahsoka rescues Lux from death and they escape on a Republic ship. Lux insists Ahsoka has ruined his plan for vengeance and shocks her with a space taser. Ahsoka awakes on the frigid world of Karlak and discovers Lux has made a foolish deal with the Mandalorian splinter group known as Death Watch. Lux has used a hollow tracing device to discover Dooku's location. He believes the Death Watch and its leader Pre Vizsla are noble idealists. But in truth, Pre Vizsla wants revenge on Dooku for scarring his face. Ahsoka pretends to be Lux betrothed to hide her true identity as a Jedi Padawan. She observes the cruelty of the Death Watch, using droids as target practice and enslaving the local Ming-Po villagers as servants. The Ming-Po chieftain demands the Death Watch leave by sunrise. Pre Vizsla responds by murdering his granddaughter, Kryla, and burning the village. Ahsoka reveals her Jedi powers and stops the Death Watch's rampage, but she's captured. Lux finally realizes his folly as Pre Vizsla prepares to execute Ahsoka, arguing it's justice when a Jedi dies. Meanwhile, Artu has befriended and repaired the tortured droids. They burst in at the last minute and create havoc. Artu returns Ahsoka's lightsabers and she springs into action, killing many of her captors in engaging in a deadly duel with Pre Vizsla slashing his jetpack. Ahsoka, R2, and Lux make a daring escape pursued by the Death Watch Mandalorians, including 
Bo-Katan. They just barely escape, and once aboard the Republic ship, Lux immediately heads for the escape pod, declaring there is no place for him in the Republic or with the Separatists. He promises he will see Ahsoka again and launches off into the stars. The end for now. Bum, bum, bum. Mm. So there is a, a little bit of a summary. <laughs> I left some things out, but we'll talk about them. Ken, what was your overall reaction? You love this episode, like it, struggle with it. Uh, is this one that, that has stuck in your mind or was this a rediscovery? This is a bit of a rediscovery. It's it's one of the ones where you're like, yeah, yeah I kind of remember, you know, anytime um, Lux is around or, or even... Um, Death Watch, but it's funny to kind of see this one show up, pop up here in episode uh, season four uh, when, you know, you're going to go to season five. You're going to go to season two. You're going to go. That's where you're going to go for some of the big Mando content in the Clone Wars. And this is just this little one off uh, rock and roll single uh, release with no B-side. And you're like, oh, I, re- I remember that song. Uh, so it was fun to kind of revisit it again, especially through uh, the 2020 eyes where you're looking at Filoni and some of the choices uh, he makes uh, creatively uh, both on, on screen and off. Uh, and uh, this being kind of uh, the Bo-Katan arrives. I uh, love all that there. So a good, uh, good episode. Uh, great stuff to dive into and, uh, and some cool action as well. Looking at you, Ahsoka. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I always remembered uh, events from this episode. But again, as mm-hmm. I've said a couple of times, uh, in 2014, I was speed watching everything from that fractured image of Maul uh, that Mother Tawson shows Savage Presto, like, okay, well, where does he come back? Yeah, uh, yeah. And I really liked this episode and remembered a lot of details. But then after I'd watched it all, I was like, what? that's a long arc, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> and right. then I looked it up and I was like, well, no, that is, that's really just this one contained episode. And in particular, I kind of have this fond place in my heart because I watched the Mandalorian episode where uh, Bo-Katan returned. And I, for whatever reason, that night after watching it at midnight, I was like, I, I just... I want to watch more. It might, I'm like, in my mind, is like, am I right? Is that just the one episode? And that's where Bo-Katan and Ahsoka first meet? Uh, so I went and rewatched this episode then. And then it's really stuck in my head as a really interesting, important episode of the Clone Wars. Um, in that it's, it is kind of a sequel to that Mandalore arc. This is the first time the Death Watch returns. Uh, right. Bo-Katan gets added to the group. It's also absolutely a, a sequel to the kind of uh, heroes on both sides uh, separatists arc. Um, and then it's just, uh, amazing to see in the flow because it is really a brutal episode, right? We've mm-hmm. had, mm-hmm. uh, the carnage of Krell. We've had the horror of the, the Zigerians, uh, empire of enslavement. And then this is an episode that's uh, on the surface to me. It does have like some, some hope and some, you know, attempts oh. at connection, but I always forget until I sit down to watch it again of like, Everything the Death Watch is doing is truly, deeply horrific. Yeah. Yeah. No, very brutal. Very brutal. This isn't a fun, uh, you know, uh, you know, frog elf's going to talk to droids episode. <laughs> no frog elves here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also just think it's significant uh, because it is a, another big episode of Ahsoka growth. It's Ahsoka totally on her own. There, this mm-hmm. isn't the question of you know, can, uh, can Ahsoka get by without Anakin? Like she's clearly on her own mission mm-hmm. as, you know, I would assume Padme and the other uh, members of the Republic's guard. And she is the one who is just consistently correct about everything instead of, you know, the young Padawan from the first movie who needs to get some experience and is afraid people will think she isn't old enough. She's the worldly one. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I've dealt with 
everyone here and I know exactly what's going on, you know? Yeah, no, and, and as we're building towards some of the big events in Ahsoka's life in this series and beyond, we'll see what's coming. These are, you're right, she already has a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom. Uh, it's lived-in wisdom for sure, but also she's picking up more more wisdom, I should say, I guess, just directly. Uh, she's picking up more more, uh, more knowledge, more wisdom, more experience towards some of the big things. And trust being this big thing we're going to dive into, uh, that is a interest. It's going to be an interesting word in her future. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing about this episode is, like, obviously there is, you know, a lot of actual violence. But there is just, like, a lot of mistreatment of women and casual sexism towards women. Like, it's all oh, yeah. coming from the villains, so it, mm-hmm. it, it isn't, like... I feel like the episode, I, I just want to yep. be very clear. I'm not saying like the episode is uh, sexist, uh, but yeah, yeah, it right. is, it, it is a little bit rough. The amount of uh, horror and, and casual sexism, like, you know, get your woman out of here. you tell your woman to leave, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. So, yeah. 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 Th- from, from, from the mouths of, of villains and, and you, you must always be careful to, to make sure you're not accidentally glorifying something. Uh, one awkward beat, beat we'll talk about, but yeah, no, that was uh, prevalent all through this as well, and and part of uh, what Ahsoka's uh, gaining more wisdom uh, on how to deal with, I would think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because Ahsoka does absolutely come off is the champ of this episode, which is great. Uh, the moral of this episode is friendship shows us who we really are. <laughs> Where does this rank for you as a uh, Clone Wars moral? Oh, uh, scary! Uh, scary because uh, yeah, that's that's a great little that's a great bumper sticker. <laughs> and then as someone who's had a lot of friendships change in the last couple of years, it made me go, "Uh oh, who am I?" Um, but I guess that's uh, my guilty conscience uh, looking at it from a negative way. I think this is also something that's very positive. It it shows us uh, how much we're valued if you look at it that way. Uh, and I think there's uh, some value from uh, Lux to Ahsoka, even though he's uh, handles things uh, completely wrong. Uh, so there's something there, but then, uh, then, and how much uh, the flip side is, and then how much we true, what we truly value, right? And and it's so scary because it means you're putting yourself out there. This is a big trust is is something that you have to give as well as receive. Hey, that's going to come up in another discussion around Rogue One this weekend here on the Force <laughs> Center. Uh, and I just think that trust is an underrated theme in Star Wars as we discuss those big themes. But uh, this this moral is uh, it's it's a Rorschach test for me. Yeah, no, I really like it. Yeah, because you you read friendship shows us who we really are. And does your mind go to like, yes, that moment where um, my friend and I really stepped up and helped one another or like, yeah, oh, yeah, that moment where my friend and I really weren't there for one another. (laughs) Yeah. Which do you think of first? Yep, yep, or or when you move on from friends and you're like, oh, that was tough. Uh-oh, did I do something wrong? Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, all complicated questions, and, and that's why Clone Wars is here to break it down and give you the moral and the fable and the myth. Yeah, yeah, I think I also like the moral just because there's a lot going on in this one, you know, short episode, uh, but it does feel like the friendship between Ahsoka and Lux is kind of the the heart of it, ultimately. Totally. So let's dive into big themes, big ideas. What did you think was at stake in this episode? What did you think was really going on? I mean, friendship very much, very much could be what's at stake, right? <laughs> all through this. The friends you have, <laughs> the friends you gain, the friends you lose, the friends you keep. But uh, behind that all is this idea of of trust, like I said. And 
uh, who do you trust and when do you trust comes up. Um, mm-hmm. And it just from the start, can the Republic trust the separatists? Can the separatists trust the Republic? That's a pretty big, important meeting that's happened at the top of this episode. We don't spend any time with it after the beginning. I'd like to. Um, that Can anyone in that group trust Dooku? Can you trust Lux? There's this great point when Lux enters and he makes this, uh, right before he's about to speak, he makes he has this very just kind of warm hey, we're friends, eye contact with Ahsoka moment. She's like, yeah, yeah, hey, my friend Lux. And then he goes into what essentially is a conspiracy theory we know is true. But imagine yes. you're in this meeting and he shows up and he's like, I got this wild theory that that guy you all love on this side uh, and the guy you used to love on that side, he killed my mom. And yeah. that's pretty crazy. And that's right away, Ahsoka's got to decide to do with that trust. Yeah, no, yeah, to 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 decide exactly how she wants to handle Lux, right? He, yeah, from that from that exchange, you know, the, we saw them meet before, and they had that great, uh, you know, mutual. Oh wow, the enemy isn't this a uh, lurking uh, monster saliva dripping from their mouths. They're like they're other beings with other mm-hmm. perspectives, right? And had yeah. that that connection of humanity and uh, friendship, maybe awkward flirtation. Uh, and that look bef- between them is so wholesome. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, it, it's got this real, like, Hey, if we were not trapped in all of this, you know, there are invisible daggers in the air everywhere. Yeah. Constantly. And if, it, if you were just in the Republic <laughs> and this was just a rooftop on Coruscant, we would just hang out and be pals. Yeah. And, and can that still exist when, when we live in this world where that is not the case? Impossible. almost. Yeah. Yeah, I really love that uh, that idea of trust. Um, I really thought about it as uh, knowing who people really are, right? Which mm-hmm. I, I think is such a big factor of trust. Of uh, not only do you trust the person, but I guess in order to trust a person, you kind of have to trust your own reading of them, right? Absolutely. <laughs> like I know who they are. That's why I trust them. You know, I know yeah. that they wouldn't do this, or like, uh, or I trust that I know they're going to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> not right. a great thing. Uh, I have trust, uh, I guess is a way to say that. But yeah, I mean, I, I loved all the ways that we looked at this. You know, this whole episode is Ahsoka has lived experience. Show, so she knows who people truly are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I love that right away at the beginning, Padme and Ahsoka uh, both know exactly who Dooku and his arm of the Separatists are. Like mm-hmm. Padme's there and trying to work nice with the people who don't know the truth, but she does. Yeah. <laughs> She knows that Dooku cannot be trusted and he will kill Lux, right? Because that's kind of a big thing for her to just go, yeah, no, I know I know it might crash the negotiations, but yeah, absolutely, Ahsoka, go save him because I know who these people are. Right. Um, you know, and of course, Ahsoka being absolutely aware of who the Death Watch really are and what motivates them. But then also, also Ahsoka sees the truth of Lux, right? She knows he's he's been hoodwinked. He's mm-hmm. not you know, uh, a, a violent separatist. He's not a secret <laughs> Sith cultist. You yeah. know, he's just no. somebody who got caught up in this, right? Uh, so we get all these great examples of people who successfully do know who people really are. And then on the other side, we got all these people who are duped, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Lux has been duped in his past by the separatist. Uh, now he wants to believe the Death Watcher noble idealists, which we were joking off there. Like, they're called Death Watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not Noble Watch, not, you know, <laughs> Kindness Frontier, Death Watch, you know? Uh, and then we even get this idea that the Karlak villagers were were yeah. duped. You know, Trilus says, we trust easily and we were betrayed. Uh, mm-hmm. Her father, or grandfather rather, Chieftain Peter gets, Peter, Pieter, uh, gets duped, right? Uh, when he thinks he got what he wanted, 
yeah. in previous, like almost like he is mocking of the idea of trust, right? Oh, yeah. he's like, yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you your, uh, your granddaughter back at dawn. And he's like, I'm man of my word. Here's your granddaughter's promise. Then murders her. Right. So it's, it's like, he's yeah. a- actively mocking the Carlac villagers, uh, inability to accurately read who he previously truly is. Right. If it wasn't so brutal, it'd be really funny. Quite frankly, yeah. the, 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 <laughs> it's like a smash cut. We're, we trust easily. Here's the grandfather going, oh, oh, you gave your word. Oh, it's okay, everybody. Previsor gave his word. We're good. We're good. And Fizzle's just like, uh, I give you my word. I, I was almost uh, laughing uh, until it becomes so brutal. Uh, but uh, it just uh, heightens everything that's at stake there. From uh, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is. Yeah. It is almost funny if it were not absolutely tragic. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of final piece of this trust idea for me is. I think it's interesting that a lot of the plot hinges on uh, Death Watch, either out of just ignorance or maybe out of being cocky, hubris. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything falls apart for them because they do not know who Ahsoka and R2 really are, right? Yeah. They look at them and like, it's another droid that we'll use for target practice. And I guess Lux brought his girlfriend, whatever, right? Yeah. And the truth is they are... Uh, very very competent and that's what uh brings things down for the old death watch yeah i i there's another thing that pops up and, and i think what you're saying it, it ties somewhat into that uh nicely it is i i wrote down r2 and com- compassion for those cast aside almost biblical uh whatsoever you do the least of our brothers and sisters you do under unto me right and and the other side is pre just like you said <laughs> we we don't care who you are because you're nothing to us. And that's part of their, uh, their downfall here. And, 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 uh, it's a, it's a bigger Star Wars scene we'll talk about, but I love, uh, love that. And, and, and how, um, you know, pre Vizsla and the death watch, they have a lot of trust in their self that's misplaced in this scenario. Oh yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think I, I love you, uh, calling out the just utter kindness that our two shows to the other droids. I thought that was another big thing for me is that, almost everybody we're looking at is kind of alone and stuck in trying to find a way forward. Right. Um, The senators are on both sides. Republican separatists are, are stuck in trying to find a way forward. Right. Yeah. Uh, They're stuck in the war. Lux actively expresses, you know, that he doesn't know what to do. And, and Ahsoka's, you know, offers that empathy of like, I know you feel, I understand you feel alone. She says, and you know, I I love the, the bit toward the end, where it seems like Ahsoka is really starting to question things. This is such a great hint mm. of where she's heading when when she when Lux is kind of saying like I I I don't have any place in this. You know I yeah, don't yeah. have I'm not with the Republic. I'm not with the Separatists. I just I, I I gotta go. And Ahsoka's trying to kind of give him this speech of like Yeah, no, I know things aren't great, but uh, but but we can try uh try yeah. to change things together. It's so she's saying you know what her speech might have been her same speech it might have been uh, two seasons ago without the confidence right so it feels like ahsoka is really starting to question things and feels stuck in this war too Mm. yeah trampled underfoot by by the ongoing uh and uh, you know both sides the war everything overwhelming i get that yeah yeah and even the death watch you know and not that i'm trying to have great empathy for it empathy for them because they did it to themselves but they are also, uh, they tried to, you know, partner with the Separatists. Uh, they got, uh, you know, booted out by Dooku, it seems. Uh, they failed to take over Mandalore. And they are out in the cold, literally. Yeah. 
they are literally this, you know, uh, uh, fragment uh, of the culture that is out there all on their own. Absolutely. D- dangerously disenfranchised at this point, which is uh, something pops up in Star Wars, too. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, any other big ideas for you? No, I mean, these are giant ones. The, the trust one is 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 uh, is an underrated thread in Star Wars, I would think, uh, as we'll talk about here in a second. But I, I love that this episode just wasn't shy about it. You know, I love when themes just are literally said <laughs> several <laughs> times during episodes. Number one makes it easier for me on a uh, Thursday morning having a English muffin, which I'm on a, like, I'm on a kick on. Like, you've probably all heard like five Force Center episodes where I've mentioned an English muffin now. Grace and I are just on a kick <laughs> for English muffins. And I'm sitting there having one watching it. And it's like, oh, I, I get what this episode's about because they keep telling us. Because they turned to the camera and said it. Yeah, no, I mean, we we say themes, and I think sometimes we stretch that word. Sometimes it's like, yes, that is the central conflict of the episode. Yeah, um, yeah in, in that spirit, that was the last big thing that I wanted to talk about, is I feel like the episode is so interested in revenge versus justice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lux's whole motivation. I love that <laughs> when he initially uh, says, like, I'm not, I can't join the Republic, but I'm not with the Separatists. Well, well, what's your thing now, Lux? What do you believe in? Killing Dooku. <laughs> yeah. That's my whole reason to exist is is vengeance. It's the only way I can find a way forward. And, mm-hmm. you know, previously even calls him on this of saying, you call us murderers, but it was your own lust for vengeance that made you seek us out. Um, and everything about the Death Watch is vengeance, right? It, actively in this story, Previsla is saying he wants revenge on Dooku for, for scarring him his face after right. uh, from a, a fallout from the failed Death Watch plot to gain control of Mandalore with the Separatists. Uh, but the Death Watch just in total is founded on vengeance, right? Against the yeah. Jedi from centuries ago, right? Yeah. Uh, against the the current government of Mandalore and really just kind of against the actual philosophy of peace, right? They have their ideology that strength is right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, might equals right. And anybody who has ever wronged Death Watch by just disagreeing with that ideology deserves death. So uh, the Jedi have questioned us. So it's justice to kill them, right? Uh, Even to the point where, you know, previously says to Lux about the villagers, but well, why are you burning this village? Like, never let the weak tell you what to do, right? It's a philosophy that is entirely predicated on uh, if you question us, at all you have wronged us and therefore it is justice uh when we murder you pretty important power unlimited power and how the dark side uh shows itself in so many different ways with that and uh, yeah revenge versus justice big theme in that. Uh, yeah glad you pointed that out and i think to me i'm sure we'll talk about this more the last part of that is like i would say that this is an episode about revenge and then you know, previously calls it justice, but for me makes it feel like it is opening the door to really questioning justice is the fact that Ahsoka really meets out some justice, right? Um, mm-hmm. She, uh, she takes out a decent amount of Mandalorians, right? And oh, yeah. not in a, I knocked you over or I cut off your hand. Like <laughs> no, maybe, <stuff>. yeah, <laughs> maybe their head stayed on. <laughs> maybe. maybe she just cut their voice boxes but i think that was four mandalorians in one go right uh yeah. and you know it, it it really does invite this more difficult question of the jedi and of lots of mm-hmm. moments of star wars where the jedi's line is it, we are avoiding violence at all costs but if it is a choice between saving someone's life and my life and you will not back down mm. 
it is unfortunate, but so be it, right? It's a very harsh justice, and, and Ahsoka is uh, dishing it out here. <laughs> very excellently. Yeah, yeah. And and then the thing with R2 is droid army too, right? Like that mm. they're explicitly helping R2. They're returning a kindness yep. and they're saving R2's friend, right? They agreed to help to save R2's friend. So that attack from the droids, uh, from those repaired torture droids, mm. is, it, that could have easily been set up as, as here is another portrait of revenge, right? Right. Yeah, that could have yeah. been those droids just stomping, going, how do you like it? You know, yeah, <laughs> vengeance, <no> vengeance, <laughs> yeah. right? But they're explicitly uh, trying to rescue R2's friend in return for kindness, which to me makes it more about justice than vengeance. Oh, 100%, 100%. Uh, and ties into this trust given, trust received, all in the name of friendship. Yeah, a, a sliding scale of themes right here going up. Absolutely. So let's dive into some of the uh, bigger ideas. How do the individual ideas or themes in this episode to you reflect a larger Star Wars storytelling, morality, etc.? Yeah, I keep going back to this idea of trust being so big in Star Wars. You just look at it, you know, over over the years and all the all the properties and all the stories. It's like, do you trust that voice in your head telling you to turn off your targeting computer? Mm. What do you know about that voice? What do you know about yourself? Do you do you trust your choice to rebel, to lay down your weapon, to die for your cause? These are big things that Star Wars is often asking us to consider uh, in big ways and smalls and small ways in our own life and in and in the story, but. That involves a lot of trust. You are giving your your trust to a cause. You're giving your trust to the rebellion. Like, what does that really mean? And and how do you get there? And that's why I love what you're saying about you know Ahsoka and, and her knowing how to step through those landmines of of real life. Uh, and sometimes it's a little less confident, but sometimes it's it's real lived in experience that's got to guide you forward. But I just keep thinking of Luke in that moment. We we can make jokes about it. Uh, you can write a good comedy bit about, you know, the old man you barely know dies and now he's whispering to you. <laughs> that's kind of, you know, and trust the force, use the force. Like that's that's a great bumper sticker again, but you've got to have a lot of trust. It's a big leap of faith. And so that's huge in Star Wars. Hope versus fear and all these things we love talking about because they're, they're, they're the headlines. But to get to hope, there's a certain amount of trust you've got to have in a lot of things before you can just simply hope. And I, I think this episode's dealing with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think you're right to point it out. There's uh, there are a lot of moments of incredibly important trust in Star Wars, even when it's not explicitly, you know, mm -hmm. that word isn't explicitly used. I mean, Luke handing himself in on Endor, right, facing yeah. Vader with that trust of like, I believe what what I sense that yeah. there is still good in you, right? Absolutely, absolutely, huge yeah. moment of trust there. Yeah, Bail, trust, yeah. Leia, Leia, Obi Wan. There's trust, trust, man. We're in the trust tree now. Yeah, Chewie's really great at trusting, right? Chewie might be the best uh, truster in Star Wars. Everything from, you know, Leia's like, uh, he, he, Leia doesn't even communicate uh, to Chewie what she felt on, on you know, flying away from Bespin. She's just like, he's he's there. <laughs> yeah. Chewie's like, great. And Ray's like, hey, trust me on Ben. I need you to take me uh, yeah. <laughs> to my evil friend's uh, flying death apartment. And Chewie's like, great, I'll pick you up at seven, right? <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. But yeah, that's, uh, to, I love examining uh, Chewie's loyalty versus, uh, you know, or, or via the, the, the lens of trust. Uh, going to Solo and him him turning back uh, uh, for Han to, because he sees who he's trusting in. That's yeah, he sees power. who Han really is. Yeah. yeah, he sees it. So he has reason to trust. That's that's a big leap. 
Yeah, that's so great. Um, I, I, one of the things that I really like about this episode, and I think uh, makes it special uh, beyond this amazing uh, and not great first meeting between Ahsoka and Bo-Katan, mm. um, I, I love that this is uh, this kind of sequel to the heroes on both sides arc. There's you know so much going on in that whole arc, which is you know also it jumps around chrono- chronologically. Yeah. Um, but Mina Bonteri makes this big impact, and she's only in one episode, right? And then. Yeah. Uh, she dies off screen, and we, the audience, kind of know what happened. Uh, but it's so great to just actively follow up on that and have this picture mm. very clearly of this is who the Separatists are. They were people with legitimate concerns, and those legitimate concerns are manipulated and poisoned by Dooku and the Sith. And mm. to see uh, Lux really wrestle with the fallout of that. of yeah. And oh, now now that I see what has really happened, um, it really creates this interesting picture which, uh, of Lux and Ahsoka as kind of little of mirrors, right? Mm. Um, mm. Ahsoka doesn't get to fully figure out that that you know Darth Sidious is behind the Republic, uh, but she does see that it's not working, that it's not yeah. following through on what it claims to be, and you know. I wonder how mm. much uh, when Ahsoka walks away, she's thinking like, well, this happened to Lux too, where he realized the thing he thought he believed in was not what it was. Yeah. There's that great moment of him just uh, uh, saying like, Oh, like, yeah, the Republic, uh, uh, did my mother in there, you know, uh, uh, that, that failure from there, from his point of view. Hey, right. It's a great moment. It's one of those just hard truths. I love hard truths and shows and, and, and <laughs> it just makes you think of things. Uh, that's what I want a lot of these uh, episodes to communicate uh, with you. Like, this is what's happening. Uh, uh, deal with that. How do we deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I also just like it as this kind of huge moment if you are tracking uh, the larger um, political story that is absolutely here in Clone Wars, uh, but is often just in the narration or the setup of the episode. Right, yes. (laughs) And then we spend a lot of time with individuals in their individual conflict, and unless you really pay attention, it can get lost, right? Uh, But the, the newsreel announcement saying this is the first ever sanctioned meeting between Republic and Separatists, because that Mina Bonteri issue is all about uh, Padme going behind people's backs, right? Yes, uh, yes. In the idea that this is the first ever sanctioned meeting doesn't look like it's going well. <laughs> we as the audience know, like, well, Sidious and Darth Tyrannus are not going to let it go well, ultimately. Yeah. But it's powerful just as, as a Star Wars fan to see, like, okay, the war is dragging on. It is getting more brutal. We're seeing that Pong Krell arc where the Republic is invading a planet deeply against the wishes of the people there. Uh, And who do we see trying to bring peace to have a stop to the fighting? Uh, The architects of the rebellion, right? It's Bale, Mm -hmm. it's Mon Mothma, and it's Padme. I I want, like I said up top, I just want to spend some time with that meeting and some deleted scene or extended edition of this. That's an all-star team of uh, of political figures, including all at the foot of Satine. Uh, you know, here she is almost making a cameo. This is a big character in the Clone Wars. And she's kind of like, yeah, 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 y'all can come here and we'll, I'll, I'll give you some lemon cakes and we'll talk. It's going to be <laughs> great. Um, but yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to, uh, you know, how, how soon it broke down after uh, Lux and everything. It's fascinating to me. It's big stuff. Yeah. And, and I love that just the, the only real substantive beat we get is the Separatists uh, asking, can you, as Palpatine's representative, uh, declare the separatist state legitimate right 
which if it was, if it truly was just, you know, if it hadn't been manipulated by the Sith, right? And it was just a handful of planets going, we don't like the way you are doing things. We want to be our own little, you know, government. Like right. that seems like a kind of thing where Padme go like, okay, well let's negotiate, you know, huh. is there any way we can convince you to stay? And if you are going to leave, can we set up, you know, mutually beneficial trade? Can we avoid, like there's, there's that, just that glimmer of like, well, what would this disagreement have been without the manipulation of the Sith? And then, you know, in an episode where I think there is a lot of Ahsoka going like, oh boy, where, where are we headed? <laughs> that that great moment where Padme, like, you can see that maybe she would like to give that assurance, but yeah. she can't. And she knows she can't. Yeah, no, she absolutely knows she can't. Yeah, no, I uh, love it. Yeah, I'd love to see fantasy conversation between Padme and Sansa trying to negotiate the North. <laughs> staying in its own kingdom. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Would uh, would Padme make that uh, that great face that the mother of dragons did? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, any other uh, big ideas for you? Uh, going back to this idea of the compassion one, I mean, it just shows up so much in Star Wars. Uh, we've got uh, on Endor with Ewoks and specifically Leia, Naboo, Padme, Jar Jar, the Gungan army, and time and time again. And we've uh, even mentioned it in other episodes of Clone Wars. Uh, and it's all fuels uh, um, this idea of the light side builds, the dark side destroys, the flip side. Death Watch, all things going on here, and they overlook the droids. So I just love seeing that over and over uh, again in Star Wars. It's that symbiotic circle. It's uh, everyone can help and not overlooking any potential ally, not just in the sense of how can you use them for your cause, but by seeing them and offering compassion and empathy. A lot of the stuff with uh, Ray and BB-8, Ray and, and the Vexus, uh, that happens a lot in uh, Star Wars, and I love seeing it here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is what makes this episode really interesting is uh, on the surface is dealing with a lot of uh, vengeance and a lot of darkness and mm-hmm. a lot of violence. Uh, but there are these moments of, yeah, compassion and hope. And I mean, I was watching this episode, I, I kept thinking of the uh, save what we love, not fight what we hate line, mm-hmm. which I think is is so great because I think it's an idea that has is baked into Star Wars. And, you know, Ryan Johnson, through the character of Rose Tico, did just such a great job of crystallizing it with this mm. uh, very direct line, right? Yeah. Um, and it, you, you see all our heroes trying to do that, right? Padme and Mon Mothman and Bale are like, they're, they're, they're trying to save something, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not tear something down. And same thing with Ahsoka and R2. Uh, and then, you know, Lux on his mission of vengeance is, is just trying to get kill what he hates death watch's whole death watch's whole motto is fight what we hate yeah no i mean that's <laughs> that's on our towels that's a, that's our whole ideology is fight what we hate that's our business card man it's a beautiful uh a bone white look at this card fight what we hate <laughs> exactly exactly so uh, lots of very good very strong uh star wars themes ever ever present star wars themes are present here mm-hmm. uh any other thoughts before we take a quick break no no let's uh let's get to some deathly action yeah we are excited to keep talking about peace but we're going to take a break and come back and talk about some very violent action moments so stick around for that we'll be back in a moment ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny System, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny System with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. We're back to continue our discussion of the Great Clone Wars episode of Friend in Need. We talked about some of the big ideas. I'm sure we'll keep talking about some of the big ideas, but now we're going to dive into some of those great individual moments. We always like to talk about action moments. Ken, what were your favorite action moments in this very violent episode? <laughs> very violent indeed. Uh, right up top. We'll build to what I think is the main event here. Uh, but right up uh, top when Ahsoka goes to uh, kind of do that little rescue of Lux, she does that double force push on the commando droids. And I like that. It, it, it reminds me of the last, um, this, like, uh, arc with uh, Obi-Wan doing the double force crunch of the commando <laughs> droids. Uh, and those are, look, if you've played against those on Battlefront 2, they're, they're formidable. They, they're they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to get you if you're not careful. Uh, and I could never control them for more than 20 seconds. I just never synced up with those uh, characters on that game. Uh, but I love seeing that. And it uh, just reminds us of uh, the, the power of the force when you want to use it. 
Absolutely. There's some great stuff with those commando droids. I I wrote down horrible but cool uh, mm. when the commando droids are chasing Lux and Ahsoka. And there's this one shot where they're in this beautiful glass hallway on Mandalore. There's like, how many hours did, you know, experienced yeah. artisans work on that? How many centuries has that been there? And just blowing it away. And <laughs> just destroyed. But it was just really great because there's that, that contrast between like the elevated beauty mm-hmm. of that hallway and just like smash it smash it smash it yeah yeah there you go yeah and then the uh in that initial fight i, I like that uh soka old well, one kick ahsoka uh manages to kick that one commando droid in the head and that's it one kick yeah yeah okay yeah <laughs> i'm so glad you pointed that out i i i she we gotta she's gotta teach kenobi because kenobi <laughs> does some kicking and punching her droids it's never advised it's not effective. Just just kick him in the head. Yep, exactly. Uh, also, in uh, in the effortless and the effective, I love how effortlessly Ahsoka takes that blaster away from Lux. Yeah, I, I actually put that in comedy. Uh, <laughs> but it's action, too. It's both. <laughs> All right, so what other action moments do you have? I don't want to take any of your comedy moments. Um, you know, yeah, you know what? It's... it's um, I, I I put the, the the Death Watch trapping Ahsoka using uh, the ropes and everything there. Uh, again, we're not rooting for Death Watch in this scenario, but it was a tough uh, reminder of why the Mandos are a threat to the Jedi. And I thought of the, some some of the stuff in uh, Star Wars Rebels but with Sabine and and Kanan. There's some kind of underlying tension of uh, you know, hey, we built a lot of this armor to fight you, and we were kind of successful at times. You may have won the overall war, but um, you're not uh, you're not invincible there, uh, Space Wizards. And it just to see it. See it in play there. It is uh, just a, a reminder of, uh, of the power of the Mandos, the threat that they are. Yeah, no, absolutely. It definitely uh, uh, visceral, right? That drag is, you know, they don't yes. concentrate it on, on it too much. But, you know, Ahsoka afterwards is bruised everywhere, which you would be <laughs> yeah, uh, if you were yeah. dragged. So, yeah. Uh, I also, I, I like Ahsoka, you know, not sitting by right and in, in mm-hmm. that rolling forward and in, in spearing the fire spitting mandalorian yeah is a, is a good fist pumping like yes what's happening is horrible it's okay you have to do something you have to do it and springing into action is pretty great mm-hmm. um what else you got uh, i mean her her fighting the the dark saber first without a lightsaber her own lightsabers and with them uh it's fun uh to see it's and, and especially now where we're living in this world where the dark saber is in live action and i think they that's a big challenge. One thing to, you know, to turn a lightsaber into a, a live action weapon, because we all grew up with that. The, the transition the Darksaber has made from a little little cartoon piece to something that's actually in the hands of uh, Giancarlo Esposito and everything. It, it, it's been a fun journey. And to see it again on display here, I just kind of, you know, like the Darksaber. That's why I think it's popular. It became popular. Uh, it's It just looks good. And uh, Soka standing up against that, uh, that powerful weapon. It was good little beats there all through. Throw. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I just kind of enjoyed in the back half is uh, it was um, Pre Vizsla did it to Ahsoka a couple times, but then all the Mandalorians were doing it. I forgot that their the blaster fire that bursts from their wrists mm. is yellow, right? And it's just right. it's like great variety, and just for me that sort of like the the part of me that just like enjoys the cool aesthetic and the really different uh, space fantasy action. It's like a bunch of Boba Fett's flying through the air, shooting yellow blasters, <laughs> or yellow blasts from their wrists. Eh, it's yeah. so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and then in in terms of the um, the meeting of of Ahsoka and Bo Katan, I always forget. Like Bo Katan gets established, but uh, 
she her only real highlight is she's the one who catches up with Ahsoka, right? Yeah, that's yeah. It, it's uh, it's almost a blink if you miss a cameo. And uh, and reading the you know the trivia gallery of it was Filoni kind of saying, let's take this nameless part, make it uh, make a Bo Katan, uh, create this character. I, I love that. Uh, I love that this is kind of this small step in, in a larger journey for these characters, uh, Ahsoka and and Bo Katan, as they're so inter- intertwined going forward. Yeah. And I think it's a great little fight, the the mm-hmm. punch out with Bo Katan and then everybody working together, right? Yeah. Uh yeah. R2 gets it on it and and so does Lux. And it, it takes all of them to get Bo Katan off their back. Mm-hmm. It really yeah. yeah, establishes her as a true badass. Indeed. Not a nice one at this time, but it- Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh we'll talk a little bit about that trajectory of their relationship in the in yeah. the canon uh section. Uh, last thing for me is the, I think like the action moment of this episode. Yeah. It's the main event. It's the main event. It's the main event, right? Do you have anything else? Are you ready for the main event? Nope. Nope. Let's get to it. Let's get to the main event. Uh, Ahsoka's spinning (laughs) multi-slash. Four necks slashed in fewer seconds than four, right? Uh, it it is a cool move, right? I mean, she's surrounded r2 gets her the blades out they come one big swing doesn't uh adjusts for height of <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> these aren't clones uh they, they're slight they're all around six feet right but just doesn't miss anything just slashes those necks uh how yeah. do you when you see this this time around when you're watching it for us to have our discussion are you just like cool yeah good job ahsoka is there any part of you like oh boy uh, yeah, yeah. What I'm calling the quad head chop. Um, <laughs> it's. I think we're so in tune to some of the bigger questions in Star Wars, and and we love having these philosophical discussions on the hows and the whys and the whats. Now, so I, my mind does go to it, but I absolutely have the initial reaction that goes something like this. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and and that's okay, and that's great because that's part of why we're here. It's part of why we're still here. Uh, I think there would have been a time would have been like, yeah, see Jedi do that. Uh, and now I have uh, fun going, yeah, Jedi do that after they come to a determination <laughs> through all these steps. Right. I mean, they're called the Death Watch. Ahsoka uh, is aware that they have murdered people, that they have a philosophy of mm-hmm. murdering people, that they have a philosophy that that the only thing that matters is strength. Uh, she has just watched them burn an entirely uh-huh. innocent village murder entirely innocent people yeah uh they have just dragged her through the streets and uh have a blade raised to her neck to kill her right then yeah yeah <laughs> so you kind of pile all that up and and you know i think it is something to be like thoughtful and responsible about of like this is the jedi philosophy that to avoid uh you know violence at all costs to avoid death at all costs but this is a part of the story. This is a part of the philosophy of when it is so not in question that it is them or me. They are going to kill me right now. And mm-hmm. I still have other people to save. Never mind even saving my own self. Yeah. There are other people here who still need me. Uh, then it's a, <laughs> then it's a spinning quad head slash spinning quad head slash and a part of what we can now call a Jedi tradition along with Mace Windu to just chop the heads off of Mandos. <laughs> it's the only way to be safe. Apparently it's the only way. Yeah. I don't know why neck armor is just uh, forbidden when it yeah. comes to Mandalorians. You'd think that that might neck best might start to be a thing. 
Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Like a catcher's or mask or a hockey goalie mask of, uh, you know, extend it down a little bit. Uh, I love that. I love that. I would love to see that uh, uh, development meeting in, uh, for Mando's later on. But uh, yeah, all jokes aside, look at it again. It is. It is cool. It makes you kind of. It makes you stop. And there's been a few of that. Again, the the Kenobi double crunch of the commando droids is one of those moments where I, I put down the English muffin. That's that's my scale now, Joseph. <laughs> I put down the English muffin. You've done a good job. Ooh, yeah. Uh, I, I also think, I know that there was some discussion about Ahsoka's big live action appearance about whether or not she was too violent, right? Um, right. Because Ahsoka is a compassionate character. Uh, she is somebody who who tries to find uh, a way out like, uh, like Jedi do. But there are these moments in the Clone Wars that I feel like, mm, yeah, no, that's, mm-hmm. this is within her uh, philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, again, when when you, you, I think she's a great example of of, of takes the the right steps to, to to determine what her course of action is, and and I would then extend that trust to that character whenever she's used in stories, and whenever, especially if Dave's uh, Dave's in control. Uh, so going back to that Mando episode, that wasn't something that I, I, I wrestled with too much for me. Uh, uh, I've extended my trust to Ahsoka. Yeah. A very good way to say it. Uh, we know who Ahsoka is. <laughs> yeah. uh, we being the general audience. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on then to moments uh, of comedy, whimsy, and weirdness. Uh, what do you got there? I'm going right to the Ahsoka moment. Uh, it, 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 it is action, and it's a good thing. You know, hey, you know, if if, if you ever got a gun trained on somebody, uh, you make sure you got some distance between you and your target so they don't yoink, yank your gun away. Okay, this is a valuable lesson, I, I would say. I learned that from reading Ian Fleming James Bond uh, novels when I was in like the sixth grade. Absolutely, and it pops up in action movies a lot, right? Uh, so Ahsoka does right here, but yeah, the, the ease in which she does it, and then uh, what are you doing with a gun anyhow? You're not a fighter. Now, look, uh, I am not here. Uh, this isn't. Uh, I don't think she's shaming Lux here, making fun, but it definitely reads of like you probably shoot your toe off with this. What are you doing? <laughs> You're going to shoot your eye out, kid. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, it was a really fun moment because he is, he is like, it's like, this isn't what you want to do, kid. Like, what are you doing? And, uh, as meets to Lux, like you pull this little holdout blaster. Like, what are you thinking? Well, this of course is what's going to happen. So it worked for his action. It worked as comedy for me. Yeah. I think it, it works as action. It definitely works as comedy. It also works for like real legitimate concern of like, so this is your plan to get Dooku. You think <laughs> yeah, this just, little blaster is going to take care of the Sith Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, that Obi-Wan and Anakin cannot defeat together. Got it, got it, yeah. Um, I, I know you and I are both big fans of uh, background chatter, which uh, often in, it is there in the captions, which makes it even more fun. But there was some great background chatter uh, when Lux Bonteri uh, broke up that meeting. And there's a male voice that says, what could he possibly have to say? And then a, a female voice says, he was not invited. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> I absolutely love that. Yeah. A really good background chatter. Yeah. Uh, th- this is uh, this is more than the whimsy of just me enjoying uh, Dooku being just a huge ass. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I liked it when he said, I have done a lot of things, young man, and I choose to remember them in order of importance. <laughs> and obviously goes on to say not remembering murdering his mother, which isn't as funny, uh, no. but just I, I, I we, we don't spend a ton of time really getting into the mind of Dooku in the Clone Wars, I think, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We, we have some episodes where he the focus is on him because he's either being you know, hunted uh, by Night Sisters or 
he's kind of trying to play his own games with Savage Press or whatever. Uh, so we see him, we spend some time with him, but that's different to me than getting inside his head. So I really cherish these moments that just show his very different character that I love that he is the gentleman monster, right? That he is going to viciously murder you while also making fun of you for using the wrong salad fork. Like that's his whole vibe. And I like any line, like, uh, you know, when he said to Savage Press, you have no technique, which from Dooku is like, you know, an awful, awful thing to say. It's the worst thing in the world to have no technique. I uh, I love that uh, gentleman monster. That's uh, wonderful, wonderful. So what are some other uh, laugh lines for you? I enjoyed uh, going back to the Lux Ahsoka thing where, you know, she's talking about how you're going to do this. And he just yells like this and then shocks her with a taser, which works. Uh, It's just a fun comedy beat. And also like, you know, I I guess Ahsoka's again, extended so much trust to him in this moment and and it feels in control of the situation to be caught off guard. Uh, It just was a funny little beat. And then trying to pass it off as a nap to R2. (laughs) And and R2 probably knows better, but mm-hmm. like, all right, she does work kind of hard. All right. I mean, you don't see a lot of Jedi napping in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see the training sessions where uh, Yoda teaches uh, the younglings how to have sudden nap time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a, a darker moment of, of whimsy, but there is a shot after they have landed and uh, Ahsoka's had to pretend to be his uh, betrothed and She's on the back of a speeder bike and he's in the the speeder and Ahsoka's just looking over at Lux like, you idiot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just a really good, Mm -hmm. I am yelling at you with my eyes look. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Final one for me is, uh, this is just a a good bit of Star Wars banter, has a a little feeling of being a a throwback to banter we've heard before, but when uh, R2 is helping with the Bo-Katan fight and Ahsoka says, that's two I owe you. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. Good call. Yeah, so just that. good. Ahsoka, R2, Bonami. So yeah. uh, any any other moments of comedy, whimsy, weirdness for you? The only, only one was similar to that. Uh, I um, I enjoyed when Ahsoka said to Lux, uh, careful not to choke on your stupidity. Um, so I, in my head, I imagine later on, she's sitting around with Anakin, and she goes, and then I said, careful not to choke on your stupidity. And Anakin said, oh, that's a good it's a good premise. It's a good setup. I'm going to file that one away. What words? Aspirations. Maybe something like that. Can, I'll slide that in there. Uh, Let's slide it in there. Yeah. Yep. So clearly, clearly, that is the uh, the absolute <laughs> canon connection between those two lines. Uh, let's talk about uh, moments of uh, connection between canon and lore, other stories, all that. Uh, we got the, you know, the tragedy of the Bonteries, obviously. They link to other stories in uh, uh, Star Wars. Uh, just uh, if uh, people aren't remembering that, uh, you know, Mina is killed by Dooku and he frames the Republic to destroy peace talks. So not only did he kill her, but he used her death <laughs> mm. to destroy the possibility of peace, which, you know, I think not only the fact that she died and that she was killed by Dooku, but the fact that her death tied to the failure of previous uh, peace or getting peace talks to start at all right. is, you know, uh, important to this, uh, this arc. Uh, I know you're a big fan of, of Mina Bonteri. Any other Mina Bonteri thoughts? I don't, uh, no, other than uh, I like that it's continued and it is, uh, you, you said it up top of, of there's this legacy of, of uh, Mina Bonteri that's it's one episode character. It's a character that even when I wasn't uh, doing a big Clone Wars rewatch, I've mentioned her before in the show because it's just it's like she, she stood out. 
Um, and she stood out and over time. It stood out in different ways to me, maybe even more important ways than it does on the surface of, hey, heroes on both sides. Remember, George said that um, it goes beyond that. It goes into the bigger reasons with Dooku and the, the connections and everything. But I just love that it's still dealt with her. And I and I, I saw a tweet. I don't know who said it. Uh, I saw it recently if someone like call me crazy or maybe I'm an island here, but I'd love to hear a little bit more what happens to Lux. And I know in Christy Golden's Battlefront 2 book, he makes his big return, which at the time it's kind of even then was like, who like for some, some readers, we, we celebrated it here. So I, I would, I, I thought, I thought a few times of like, Hey, you know, uh, how many other times did he and Ahsoka ever meet? Uh, now that we know kind of a little bit more of her path, uh, I'd love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, the, uh, I did a little bit of Lux review yeah. um, to remind myself because I was like, what? I know, I remember that he was in the book, but what exactly happened there? Uh, we're going to get some more Lux and Ahsoka quality time uh, coming up in the next season mm-hmm. uh, when Lux does become a senator of Ondron, his home planet. Um, and then in Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad, you know, a book to set up a video game, which still blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> that it is full of depth. Uh, Lux goes on to become a rebel. There's a whole backstory of a family he had, but he is an informant for the Dreamers, a splinter group that is continuing uh, the ways of Saw Gerrera after Saw's death. Uh, he is ultimately stunned but not killed by mm-hmm. Aiden Versio. And yeah, we had that line in this episode, right, where he says toward the end, Ahsoka, don't worry, we'll meet again, I promise. And we know they do uh, on Andron coming up here in the Clone Wars. But, uh, you know, this is... Uh, Ken, this yeah. is a at least partially Filoni-created uh, character. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one that he's spent some time on in an individual episode that he directed. Do you have any Lux Bonteri meets Ahsoka in live-action dreams? I, I, I'm I going to say I have a 10% yes to that. <laughs> Not 90% being like, ah, I don't know, maybe there's a lot of bigger pieces uh, to move around. and But the, Dave... Um, you know, jokes aside, Dave. Dave is very aware uh, and protective, and and interested in continuing the stories of the characters he he had a hand in creating. You said that up top. Uh, that's not a bad thing at all. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it just kind of could make some sort of sense. Make some sort of yeah. sense. I mean, I think the thing for me is, does you know, if he do, did indeed survive the entire uh, Galactic Civil War and yeah. is still kicking around, like is he? Is he part of the New Republic? Is he disillusioned? Is he mm-hmm. in a place to have some information for Ahsoka? You know, is there a a place that he is uh, makes sense for him in the narrative? I think, you know, much the way that, you know, Saw Gerrera was in the Clone Wars and then mm-hmm. Rogue One's being developed and we need a guy like this. And Lucasfilm's like, yeah, we got him. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if, uh, if Filoni and team think like, we need a guy who would kind of have this perspective and... You know, he's still kicking around and could help us soak on her journey. Like, if there's a spot that fits Lux, I think Lux could pop up. But I yeah. don't think it's going to be like, this is what a priority of the Ahsoka series is. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking the other day, not even for a podcast, uh, not even speaking to another human, just thinking. <laughs> At this point with um, how passionate and how large the Star Wars community is, what is obscure in Star Wars anymore? Like, right. obviously, you you have people who love Star Wars to death, uh, maybe have a million T-shirts, million action figures, they played video games, but it, they're the movies, right? They, yeah. they watch the movies and they like them. And then there's, you know, uh, I think the community that 
that we're lucky to be a part of that you know does podcasts listens to podcasts plays uh, you know trivia games yeah. you know goes all in because they love and care about it uh and in that world like what is obscure is lux Bonteri obscure like yeah you know if yeah. if he was in ahsoka the, the ahsoka television show and you know the monday after <laughs> like here's the lux Bonteri poster would people be like yeah finally lux <laughs> Like, um, I'm asking, what do you think? I don't, yeah, I, I don't think it, I don't think it would hit, uh, obviously, uh, it's not a, a hot take saying that, but I, I think it could. And I think if, um, you know, I hear uh, calls for, Hey, Star Wars should always be connected to its own lore. And then you have the other people saying, stop connecting it to it, to its own lore. It's that's bad nostalgia. So you're never going to win, but this is, uh, if you're going to bring back this character, there'd be great purpose to it, right? It's not just tossing a name in that everyone like, oh, you know, Chewie's back. It, 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 would, it would be something, which, by the way, loved it. Anytime Chewie wants to come back, he, he, can, he can come back. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it'd be, there'd be good. It'd be similar to Saw. I love, you You all know, I love every time Saw says, shows up because he just raises interesting questions. And mm -hmm. a former separatist turned rebel sympathizer uh, you know, it's it's it, there's some great value in that kind of storytelling, especially post uh, Galactic Civil War. Yeah, and, and given Battlefront Two, his backstory is that he had family members who were loyal to the Empire. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, this older, jaded guy who's <laughs> yeah. not that old, but still clinging to life, and has lived through multiple failed governments and almost yeah. been killed by every iteration. Yeah, of those governments. Mm -hmm. uh, that's an interesting perspective. Never mind the fact that uh, Ahsoka's out here on her own saying, I am a Jedi in spirit. Is That's my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I know some people disagree with that, but I'm going to say that is my opinion, that Ahsoka's out here going, I'm a Jedi in spirit, but I don't follow, every, I don't tick every box and runs into some, this older man that she had a youthful possible attraction to. Awesome. That's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, Absolutely. No, absolutely, uh, uh, and and who she is and where she is at her 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 uh, in her life, uh, um, it's crazy. Like I, by the way, I I have a theory that her and uh, Bo-Katan may be dated for a little bit. <laughs> like I I have all these kind of theories, and 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 uh, have I want to see Ahsoka on her mission, but I want to see who Ahsoka is after all of this. Yeah, because I, I do take uh, I, I say Jedi in spirit, but I also mm -hmm. think she's going through some stuff. She's hurting. Yeah, uh, when we catch up with her in the Mandalorian, hurting. Uh, you know, not under any kind of specific uh, order or organization on her own, carrying that spirit. And and yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And Lux is a Lux is a big part of the past. That's that's the thing. To go back to the felony of it all, that's a big part of her past. Yeah. So. We'll see. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, uh, that attraction is, you know, I think, um, a, a big part of what their story has been. I can't wait to get to, uh, Lux's next appearance and, and be reminded of exactly how all that plays out in detail. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's talk about, uh, Bo-Katan, mm -hmm. uh, first appearance, obviously. Um, obviously, uh, I didn't walk through all of the history of Bo-Katan and, uh, Ahsoka, but mm -hmm. our most recent history in the Mandalorian makes him seem like they're relatively close, right? Because, like, yeah. it feels like Ahsoka isn't like, ah, I, I live on this planet now. That's where you can find me if you ever want to send me, uh, you know, a Life Day gift, Bo-Katan. Here's my yeah. new address. Yeah. It feels kind of like she's on a mission. She's there for, like, two days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe she's been camping out, scoping it out for a long time. But, like, it seems like they're really in touch, that they're 
close, right? That they're close allies. Um, what does it mean to you when you you see that they are allies of some sort by the time of the Mandalorian, but their relationship starts so violent and so brutal? Uh, and disparaging and, and uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of things there. I, I, I think it adds weight to what could become. That's why, you know, I'm not, I'm not just tossing it aside like that, that I thought they, they dated. I think there's just some kind of connection there that it, that grows and is explored and it's important. And maybe there's some pain, maybe there's some confusion there too, that, you know, why isn't Bo-Katan there? Bo-Katan's got to do her path there. And I agree with you. I've, you know, Soka seems to be tormenting that the, 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 guards at that village uh, with some consistency because they're kind of aware of here she comes again but i yeah you're right i don't think she's been there for a year just sieging that city <laughs> yeah this is a, a thing along the way she's investigating and getting where she, where can she get information so you're right i think there's some constant communication and uh, an understanding and a connection so um love seeing it it, it was fun because again First of all, I think memory will clog things uh, up and, and swirl it all around. Like I, it's like I had to remind myself. Oh yeah, Bo-Katan was not in season two, mm-hmm. and Bo-Katan big in season five. But that's not the first time I saw her. This was just this little kind of let's do this and let's bring in Starbuck to do this line, <laughs> do these lines, and it's this little kind of kind of thing. And then uh, uh, love to see where uh, where Star Wars can take that. Yeah, and and they do have an interesting you know, relationship to the things they've been through, right? Just yeah. in the Clone Wars era, Bo-Katan's like, uh, hey, I realize I I signed up with the wrong organization, right? By the time, mm-hmm. you know, her affiliation with uh, Death Watch has contributed to uh, getting her sister killed, right? right. Uh, it, so she is walking away from what she knew in the same way Ahsoka has walked away from what she knew by the time they're working together yeah. uh, to get rid of, of Maul. And then whatever all of the details are of what has happened to Mandalore in the era of the empire. Um, they've, they've been aligned of like, we're resisting the empire, but now they're both in these missions of like restoring something from the past. Right. She wants to get the dark saber back, wants to, uh, you know, kind of reforge Mandalore as a, is a people, if not a place yeah. uh, or maybe both. And then in Ahsoka is on this mission to, you know, reconnect to Ezra. One would imagine, obviously she says she's looking for Thrawn, but right. general fan conjecture, uh, Thrawn will lead to Ezra. So they're, once again, like, <laughs> it is really interesting to imagine them, like, you know, sharing some late night holocalls of like, yeah. how is your uh, desperate uh, quixotic <laughs> mission going? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty good. I'm going over to this planet. How about you? I'm like, oh, I, I met this Mando. Oh, I, I'm sending him his, your way. He's yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He's good. <laughs> He's one of these cult kids. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he grew up in a cult. Uh, I, I get it. I spent some time in one too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've all been lied to by uh, mentors. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's a lot to draw them together. It makes it really interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so a couple other little things, uh, I, we both talked about grabbing the blaster that Ahsoka does from Lux, but the, what are you, where, where are you doing with a gun anyhow? One of the, it happens, but not very often, fairly rare to just have a straight up call a blaster a gun. How do you feel about that? Didn't even think about it. Didn't even think about it. <laughs> Laser sword, lightsaber, gun, blaster, uh, go for it, you know? It, yeah. yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, I, I, I think I wouldn't want that all the time. Um, I wouldn't want that all the time, but it's uh, yeah, a little, 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 I would, yeah. Slip up could be this, or that, or just like, is it maybe completely uh, intentional? I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, it's funny. Didn't I honestly didn't even think of it. Didn't even. Yeah, and 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 for anybody, uh, you know, uh, listening, like I'm aware that that Luke calls it a gun in yeah. in A New Hope. You know, there's a little bit more variety. He calls the droids robots too, right? Yeah. Um, and then those things only pop up rarely, so they they just uh, they perk up my ears when they happen. But I like your easygoing philosophy of tomato, tomato, blaster, gun, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I mean, come on! I'm someone in 2017 walked out of the theater and people were upset over the use of laser sword. I'm like, you, you kidding me? I can't yeah, no. I mean, that, that and that one's so purposeful. It's Luke yeah. being mocking, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, final thing I wanted to talk about is uh, uh, Lux's hollow trace device. It can identify the origin of any transmission. Mm. I, I just like seeing these these to me these things in Star Wars where that is a part of the storytelling of star Wars. There is a little bit of like, if the story requires a tech that can do X, it just pops up and eventually can, and we'll work it out. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's always fun for me to see it in something like uh, clone wars. Cause it obviously doesn't have the pressure on it, uh, but you know, something like that popping up in a movie might make people go like this breaks everything, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Speaking of 2017. (laughs) Exactly. Speaking of 2017, any other canon or lore connections you noticed or wanted to discuss? Uh, No, just uh, again, uh, previously coming back, Death Watch, Darksaber, Favreau, you know, the eventual host of The Chef Show. It's good to see he's done good things with his career. Uh, (laughs) Love seeing all that. Um, Yeah. So love that. Yeah. This has always been a really interesting episode of Clone Wars, but just kind of amazing how much more significant in lots and lots of ways from yes. Favreau and Filoni to Bo-Katan and Ahsoka, how suddenly relevant this one, you know, increasingly rare single episode story mm-hmm. becomes in the, in the grand history of Star Wars, both on screen and behind the screen. Yeah. No, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Was there anything that you disliked or questioned? I, the only thing I'm going to put in this category, and I don't know if it, it directly falls into either of them. Well, question. I, I just wrote down the, the Bo-Katan butt slap. I, let's just call it what it is. Oh, yeah. It, what, it, it, again, we, we've, we're always going to understand that, that jokes or beats don't necessarily translate over time. Uh, this, this could fall into that category as well. But I just, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I giggled, I giggled at it. Um, because it's also, this is literally like the moment these characters meet. So again, take that into our more serious discussion of where they go. Uh, I'm not, I, yeah. Yeah. I forgot that was literally their first interaction. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not over here saying I was super offended or anything, but it's just, it, it definitely is a beat that I think would be done or not done at all going forward. But again, it, it, I want to know the conversation of in the, in the writer's room or they get the script. Yeah. So this is what, this is what we're going to do. She's going to kind of shame her for being too thin and slap her on the butt, right? Like, that's not, yeah. even, that's not even a Star Wars beat. That doesn't, yeah. That's never seen that in Star Wars. Oh, man. I have so many thoughts now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm imagining them, you know, hanging out, uh, you know, post Return of the Jedi, you know, at a cantina and somebody asking how they met. And like, well, <laughs> yes, right. I was being, being uh, brought into her warrior clans, uh, you know, uh, death camp, and uh, I was pretending to be somebody else's girlfriend. Yeah. She mocked my weight and slapped my ass, and yeah. and we were friends ever since. Yeah, yeah. Again, seriously, uh, there's a lot to it. Again, it, this I don't know. I don't think this beat uh, would exist in 2021 uh, on Clone Wars, but uh, it just uh, there's a lot to it. It was more than just like disliked or question. It was just like let's let's think about everything around this moment, how it got to that, how they recorded that, how they animated it. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing for me of my whole anything I, I disliked or questioned is, and this would, would fall into it a little bit. I feel like I can see the intent of that of yeah. uh, Ahsoka is trying to tell Lux, these are not people to trust. And, right. you know, it's Ahsoka's idea to pretend to be betrothed. Because she's like, if they even get a glimmer that I'm a Jedi, they're going to try to kill me immediately. And if I die, so does Lux. Um so there's that tension and then to see uh her immediately be treated uh, objectified even you know yeah. by another woman right of like that death watch philosophy that we uh, strength give makes a, strength is what gives you human, humanity and if you're not strong then you're mm-hmm. you know you're you could be treated in any way by the strong and like yep. you, you know it, it comes across as this kind of weird maybe awkward humor, but I think it serves a purpose of, of, you know, showing us that Ahsoka is right and Lux is wrong. Even a casual friendly interaction is one about, I am, I have power over you. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, I think you're right to say it's, it's very purposeful and definitely all of it fits. Uh, right. It's, um, especially, you know, you look into the notes, this was just uh, called uh, death watch Lieutenant, probably a male character. And then Filoni at one point says, what if we do this? Uh, and keeps that beat in there because it definitely is a purpose. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, just uh, awkward in, in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> for Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, a, a bad, this is a quote, bad character, a bad, a bad uh, on the bad team at this point. And so we're not, uh, it's it's not to be viewed as a show saying it's right. It's just, it's, it's quite, right. the, quite the opposite. Uh, so it is purposeful. But uh, but it is, yeah, it, it's one of the things that, that can make the episode difficult because the Death Watch is awful in, in every way. And Bo-Katan <laughs> is, you know, buying into that culture and contributing to it in this moment. So I would love to see Ahsoka episode one, Disney Plus. They're sitting in a bar talking about it. <laughs> Remember? Oh, that was awkward. That was awkward. And like, yeah, yeah Bo-Katan's like, yeah, she, she killed a lot of my friends that day. <laughs> Uh, which uh, maybe our fault. Uh, you you had put it really well when we talked about um, Ahsoka and Lux's meeting of like things that that look time times changes times mm. change. Maybe it wasn't great to do then, but it certainly probably wouldn't be executed this way now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I think I just feel that way about a lot of Ahsoka and Lux's uh, relationship. That mm. I love the story of of these two young people who meet and have all these preconceived notions and then not only do does one another's existence and their friendship disabuse them mm. of these preconceived notions about their enemies but there's an also like this you know young totally understandable attraction that's almost more just maybe even curiosity between the yeah. two of them and i so love the relationship but then it is hard that like in that uh you know episode mm. uh you know which is the, I believe the first one we see Ahsoka's new outfit and the camera literally tracks her up and down, like oh, yeah. literally being Lux's male, male gaze. Right. Yeah. Um, and then this one, like, yep, it's Ahsoka's initiative to pretend to be his betrothed, but he pulls her into that, you know, non-consensual kiss. Right. Right. Um, which, it, it, and, and like I said, a lot of the episode, because of the nature of what it is, it is this, this kind of, you know, um, mm-hmm. poor treatment of women and, and, yeah, it, it is the villains showing us that they're villainous, but it just all all adds up to being something uh, that can be a little uncomfortable for me. Yeah, well, it just as as uh, as 
society changes in, in the way we consume entertainment. Uh, you and I talk a lot. It's like, it, it, as it should, as it should, you wouldn't want the joke books from the 1920s still being used today. Uh, uh, yeah, it should grow and, and it should kind of stand out now of, of I always say it's like, you, you, there's, it's okay to still thread needles. It's just, it's a, ne- it's a needle and it's a tough thing to thread. And I, I think as creators, we are more aware of that and should be more aware of that. I think it's a good sign. So, uh, yeah, I, I do like kind of seeing because it's not as present. Clone Wars Season 7 is a lot of different feel and approach and a lot of things, I thought. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's, 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 I think it's a good discussion to have. Uh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You, we can't really tell uh, how our storytelling is evolving if we don't look back at the other storytelling. And I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, sometimes for me, I, I think it's just it is okay to have a, a multi-layered opinion of, I kind of love the Ahsoka and Lux relationship. I don't always love the details in which, in how it's told, you know? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Any, anything else that you disliked or questioned? No, no, not at all. Uh, all right. Not at all. Was there anything else that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on then? Uh, I do like the, the design of the, of uh, the planet, um, which just escaped my notes. Uh, Carlac. Carlac. I was going to call it Carmack, which seems more like a Carson bit. Um, <laughs> Carnac. Um, Carlac. I, I really love the design. Uh, uh, Dave um, uh, Dave was, again, part of the, the, the making, they were going to be a, a sand, it was going to be another sand planet. And he was like, what if we do snow? What if we use the, kind of the Japanese uh, cherry blossom kind of design? And uh, again, hearing, re- reading that and then connecting it to the Ahsoka episode with Filoni and Mando, like he has his influences as he should, um, similar to George. And, and I do love that. I love seeing that present here and, and where it goes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it is um, a really gorgeous episode. Like that, that environment is both like, you can see the beauty of the place, but again, as somebody who, you know, grew up in Minnesota, which is very cold for part of the year, like I could feel the coldness and that, that added to uh, the, the, tension of the situation for me mm, yeah um so yeah a visually beautiful episode and then the just kind of directing thing that i, I wrote down before i even realized that uh, feloni was the director is like there is this kind of uh recurring uh spinning camera shot which is great uh the that spinning camera is the death watch initially lands around ahsoka and lux uh mm. there's that great uh spinning shot around uh, we didn't get a lot to talk about it a lot but when the the poor tortured droids are kind of, uh, you know, limping towards R2 with a, please reassemble us. There's that whole spin around. Mm. Um, the, the camera doesn't literally spin, oh. but there's still that kind of spinning yeah. motif, obviously, when, when Ahsoka does her uh, multi-slash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's it's visually cool, and I also just kind of think, it, it to me, that, that sort of spin, it evokes, like, one individual taking in the entire situation around them, which has this very star wars like feel of like you know the one really looking at yeah everything around them i love that a great analysis of that i also it scared me it's almost a horror vibe when all these droids are living to fix us <laughs> help us <laughs> yeah no longer battle droids yeah please reassemble us is yeah that was uh great and creepy and sad and all those things and the, the camera work made you feel what r2 feels right totally. surrounded by this request yeah totally Great job, I say. Ken, if you could have a figure or toy of any character from this episode, who or what do you want? I'm not going toy. I'm not going figure. I'm going straight to uh, clothing apparel, that section on the shop tab. (laughs) I uh, am a beanie wearer now, so I want a Lux beanie. (laughs) 
Oh, I, what if he had settled on Galaxy's Edge? He's still alive in the sequel era, and he's got a shop called uh, Bon Terry's Beanies. Yes, yes, you're speaking my language. As a <laughs> as a baldy man who grew up loving the Edge and you too, I like a good beanie now. <laughs> and uh, this one, the fact that it wasn't just for like one scene, like he, he kept it on the rest of the episode. <laughs> uh, it's a it's good cold weather uh, cold technology weather. there, beanies. Yep. Yes, yeah. so give me that. Um, yeah, I, she she ditches it. Uh, we don't see exactly when she ditches it. Uh, she ditches it uh, suddenly while uh, trying to save that village. But I really like Ahsoka's jacket uh, with the little oh, yeah. uh, um, the palms, I guess, uh, yeah. on on the the points of her Montreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would love a cold weather Ahsoka action figure in that you know just great jacket. Totally great. You know what it looked like? Uh, it reminded me of like. As if she was like a, a in bond, in Bond, and like just one of those scenes where like she's in that jacket traveling with Bond to a, a hotel in Milan or something, you know, just something like we, yeah, it's like there for one scene. It's just a great look, yeah. Yeah, she just she's just going to a nice castle with James Bond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and then also, you know, uh, Disney uh, in Galaxy's Edge has so many different droid gift sets. I absolutely want a uh, a droid droid army gift set that's these droids that you get to rebuild. <laughs> I, to- I totally agree with that because I really, the, 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 the ballad of the pit droid needs to be told. Like he's there in the yeah. background a little bit, you know, what a little pit droid just doing his little pit droid thing for the greater good. Yeah. And th- that is such a powerful scene when he, uh, when he powers back up, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's so nice. And yeah, I, who doesn't love a big, sad retail caucus droid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is what the main the main, the main droid is—a retail caucus droid. <laughs> I would love uh, on the special edition of this episode, which includes a little bit more of the peace talks up top. I would love in the background you hear one Mando just a death rattling, cur- you know, curdling scream, and another one yelling, "Press, press the nose, press the nose!" <laughs> no. Yeah, and they're just the 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 pit droid's face coming towards the camera and shaking and blood. Yeah, it's great. blood, just a spell, splatter of blood, like it's a Tarantino Clone Wars episode. Yeah, this is what I want. All right, that's what we're calling for officially. Mike Flanagan, please make your pit droid Star Wars horror film. There you go. All right, uh, uh, I would be delighted by a Star Wars horror film by Mike Flanagan and hopefully some terrifying pit droids in there. Uh, Next up, then, we are going to be talking another big arc with a ton of really fascinating stuff in it. Uh, It is season four, episode 15 through 18. Obi-Wan goes undercover and doesn't tell Anakin about it. And everything goes great. Mm. No, no. But we're uh, looking forward to diving into that arc. Ken, what should the moral of this episode of the Clone Wars Report be? We're going to take all the morals of this episode, put them together. Trust that your podcast's least episode will be valuable to someone. Oh, that's beautiful and very practical. Uh, where can people find us? Hey, friends, we're the Force Center Podcast, and we can be found on Twitter, Force Center Pod. We're on uh, Instagram and YouTube as well. We're on Facebook, like us there, Force Center Podcast. we got merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And uh, you can get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Hey, maybe pick up the Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad novel and hear all about Lux von, von Terry up, up in that time. Uh, you can uh, find us in a lot of spots. Just search, uh, but we're on Apple 
Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music, and Spotify as well. And uh, if you want to support us directly, we can be supported at patreon.com slash Well, that's my own Patreon. Wow. <laughs> patreon.com slash Uh I also have my own Patreon, but you can link to that from my website, catnapsock.com. Follow me at catnapsock. Uh, Joseph, tell them about your Patreon and uh, your Twitter handle. Uh, my Patreon is patreon.com slash Joseph Scrimshaw. Give give to Ken, give to Force Center. <laughs> do do whatever you feel is right, listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for all of my other comedy adventures, you can find them on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken, or that poor retail caucus droid, this has been the Clone Wars Report. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.